BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to those committed to leveraging innovation to make the world a better place. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank. Be bold. Venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal, and today is a really special day for Forum. Today, we're publicly launching the digital community that we've been building behind the scenes. This show has a special set of listeners. People who care about our community from housing policy to sandwich shops. We meet people together. We share things that are hard and things that are interesting. And I don't know if you've been on the internet recently, but that's not how so-called social media feels. We want to build Forum's DNA into a new digital home, and we'll need some of you there to help us. On today's show, we're going to tell you more about what we're doing, and we're going to talk to some experts about why now is the moment for a new kind of digital community. That's all coming up next right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. I've been part of many different digital communities in my life. Back in the day, I was a solid member of a BBS, a bulletin board system called Country Computing in rural Washington. I was 11, traded messages on the message board, and It was a little awkward when I showed up to the community barbecue, but I loved it anyway. I whiled away time on IRC, and I was an early adopter of Friendster. Facebook launched out of my dorm, and I was one of the first thousand users, though I never really loved it. The big social media thing I did love was early Twitter. It was what the New Yorker writer Catherine Schultz called words with friends. It was a way of processing what was happening in the world altogether, not alone. If something was happening out there... I would know about it on my phone, and there'd be people I liked who I could talk with about what was happening, about how I felt and what I knew and what I didn't. As the demands of those businesses increased, what we call social media changed. It became deeply enmeshed in an attention economy that, frankly, is just terrible for people. I mean, you know, that's one reason, I imagine, why you still listen to a broadcast show. You value the work our team does to bring you what's important and interesting, and you want to hear what the people in your community, broadly construed, think about what's happening. Right now, especially with Facebook in some weird place and Twitter, I mean X or whatever, in some strange spasms of performative decline, there aren't really digital spaces for any of this. I have been part of productive, generative, wonderful community spaces, even in these last few years, though. I helped run one for the COVID tracking project at The Atlantic. We had a 1,000 people on there building data that every major media outlet used. At the same time, we helped each other as people get through those dark, scary days of the pandemic. 
It's possible to have a functional, even meaningful community on this internet, and we want to make that space with you. Using the digital tool of Discord, both forums, culture. It's going to take some work. It's going to take some guts and heart. And that's one reason I'm so excited to introduce you to our next guest. Francesca Fenzi is Forum's digital community producer, the steward of the space that we're building for you online. She's produced the San Francisco Chronicles podcast. She's worked at YR Media, formerly known as Youth Radio, Berkeley J School. She is rad. Welcome, Francesca. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. So why don't we briefly explain what Discord is to people who might not have heard of it? Yes. Um, so Discord itself is a social platform. It's just like something like Twitter or Facebook in the sense that it's a platform that you form a profile on and you go on and then you find and connect with other people through it. I think what's really exciting about Discord to me is that it is a little bit different in the sense that you get to choose which communities on the internet you become a part of. So it's not just you and your profile interacting with all of the internet. It's you interacting with a entering a room basically mm-hmm. and talking to a closed group of people who you've chosen to interact with. Yeah. If this is sounding interesting to you, you can go to kqed.org/forum and Francesca has put together a step-by-step guide for you there um, on how you can join. So let's say somebody does this and they get a Discord account they sign up for our particular Discord and they come into this community of beta testers and seed users that we've been interacting with. What are the kinds of things they can do? Yeah, we've been doing a lot of really fun stuff on there. So uh, initially, one of the big draws is that there's lots of opportunity for you to chat and to have conversation, both with us, the members of the production team here at Forum, not just myself and you, Alexis, but um, also with other members of the community who might be part of our listenership, who have their own expertise, who are Bay Area residents for the most part and really excited about things in their community. That's one thing. And then I've also been designing some community challenges and activities for people to do that are related to our show. So some examples of that, we had a little while back a show about life hacks where we asked folks on our Discord to share some of their examples of hacks that they really liked and I was just really blown away by the things people were sharing. Somebody built a table. Um, you know, it ra- it really ranged. It ranged from 3D printed objects to somebody building a table yeah. to somebody uh, giving great suggestions for how to fold that one fitted sheet yeah. that's really awkward. One of the things that I love that you do, I mean, a lot of people listened in and called in and sent messages into our show about sandwiches. You know, this was sort of like, does the Bay Area have a, have a you know, a, a prototypical sandwich? And also, what are the best sandwiches, et cetera? And one thing Francesca does is she'll take all those things that come into the show, she'll put them on a map and you can go on the discord and you can be like oh what were all those things so instead of sitting there going like oh i gotta remember to like go to that place in san mateo instead you've got this glorious map that's there and that we can add to um over time the other thing i wanted to note for folks out there who are thinking like is there some other example of this there are lots of other discords and communities which we're going to talk about a little bit later for public media specifically this is a first of its kind experiment Like, there are not teams out there at other shows like Forum who are trying to do this also. This is like a big experiment. And so when you hear us talking about the stuff that we're trying to do, 
we're trying to we're having to like build a lot of this stuff, you know, from scratch. Yeah. And I think one of the things I really appreciated, too, is in our early community members and early community builders, uh, I've been getting a lot of feedback and suggestions about how to make things better, make things work differently. And that's something that I love. Um, It gives us a chance to actually play around and move around different parts of the space, present different kinds of activities for people to do. Um, It's unique in that way. And it's one of the things I've been enjoying. Yeah, I was. Um, we've had some early users, so the way we've rolled this out, you might have heard me say a few times on the air, you know, hey, if you're interested in testing out a new digital thing, like, you can come join. So some people have done that. We have some folks on there as we were kind of, like, working through, like, what's the best way of, of actually using this space and getting people, you know, acclimated? And so we started to uh, ask people to talk about some, you know, digital community spaces they'd been in, and we have a great comment from uh, Martina I was suddenly reminded last night by this space, that is to say the Discord, of the beloved intranet message board at my college, first class, which did not have infinite scroll, thank goodness, and which had folks all in the same time zone. So late at night, each board would go quiet and you had to wait for more red dots to appear in the morning. And I could finally focus on work because there was no more internet. And of course, most folks knew each other IRL too, so you would actually see the troll the next day across the hall because everyone was using real names too. One of my friends who lived here in the Bay 20 years later, I still think of her as associated with her lime green courier font from the screens of first class in addition to our shared time in English classes. And Francesca, uh, before we zoom out to sort of the big picture of digital community, talk a little bit about what you think might be different kind of in the culture of a discord like this versus, you know, if we tried to build this as a just reply to us on Twitter, you know. Yeah. You know, it as you were talking about some of your early internet nostalgia moments, uh, I was thinking of some of my own as well. And that comment makes me think of one of the things that I loved most was actually that AIM instant messenger app, uh, because it had a lot of that same feel where I would get the contacts of people who I went to school with or who I knew out in the world. And then I would go home and I would log in and I would see who's online and chit chats with people who felt like sort of acquaintances, um, maybe not close friends, but part of a community that I knew already existed and I knew that I would interact with again. And I think that that is one of the things that our Discord space is capturing as well. It's not exactly like posting to Twitter where if I send something out as a tweet into the world, maybe my friends and the people I follow will interact with it. But also maybe strangers who will never interact with me again might make a drive-by comment. And sometimes those can be helpful. But other times, I think, as we're all familiar with, those can feel uh, trolly. They can feel aggressive. They can feel not really um, like they're taking the spirit of good faith into the interaction. And I think what's really cool and what's neat about having a closed community like Discord is I've gotten to know a lot of the people who are already Mm -hmm. on there, right? I'm recognizing usernames. I'm recognizing the things they're interested in. I'm making connections between, hey, this is a show that I think this person might like because we're talking about this topic that I know they're interested in. And I think that continuity of experience, knowing that Even if we have a moment of disagreement or perhaps a moment of misunderstanding on the Discord, these are people who you're still going to see later. Mm -hmm. Uh, It really influences the way that you act and the way that you talk. And I think it helps to bring some of that good faith back, which is what most of us walk around with, I think, uh, in our real lives. Yeah, you're actually in relationship with people. I think that is. It's a huge difference from just, you know, tweeting at someone. 
Um, let's bring in uh, our first non-KQED guest, Eli Pariser, co-founder of New Public, also you know a noted author and speaker on social media and community uh, for, for years now. Welcome, Eli. Thanks for having me on. What an exciting day. Yeah, thank you so much. You know, I was hoping you could help us kind of flesh out the value of having, you know, public space. I mean, your org is called New Public on the Internet, you know, to kind of serve this function of social cohesion basically out in the world. Yeah, well, um, you know, when you talk to sociologists and political scientists about what what holds societies together and especially like pluralistic societies, societies with lots of different kinds of people, um, a lot of them point to public spaces like parks and libraries and even sidewalks, farmers markets. Um, and these are sort of like the under under heralded champions of um, building, building community and building cohesion. And um, there's a bunch of reasons why they they do that. But when you look at where people form bonds across difference, where people meet people who are unlike them and and especially like learn to feel okay about being around um, people with different value sets. It happens in public space. And what's more, public spaces are are specifically designed to facilitate that in some subtle and important ways that businesses um, generally neglect. And so I think figuring out how to do the things that offline public spaces have done online when so many of us are having to spend a lot of our lives there is a really, really critical piece of the puzzle. Absolutely. And, you know, one reason why we wanted to do this is like we're public media. This is looking Mm -hmm. out at the public, you know, at the the media landscape, uh, you know, back in the 60s is why public media got started. People wanted to create this alternative to commercial media at the time. And I see us as, you know, being in a kind of similar spot with regard to the social internet now. We're talking about online communities, including forums, new digital space on Discord. If you're interested, go to kqed.org slash forum. There's a little guide for you. Joined by our digital community producer, Francesca Fenzi, as well as Eli Pariser, co-founder of New Public. We'd love to hear from you. What's an experience you've had online that made you feel like part of a community? Like, what can we learn from that experience for our uh, forum Discord? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, threads, and Discord. Forum, uh, kqed.org slash forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Obviously very excited this morning. We're launching Publicly Forum's new digital space on Discord. You can go to kqed.org slash forum and you can see the whole guide on how you could get involved here. We're joined by Francesca Fenzi, who you'll definitely run into if you join the Discord. She's our digital community producer. We're also joined by Eli Paris, our co-founder of New Public, which is deeply involved in these efforts to create public space online. You know, before the break, Eli, you were talking about the fact that in in the real world, public spaces are sort of designed in ways that encourage, you know, interaction in community and okayness across difference and all these things. So, like, what are the components of a park, say, that make it successful? And then how do we bring that online? Like, what is our basketball court on the, you know, in, in a digital public space? What's our, like, you know, bit of lawn, nice trees? Like, how, how do we actually build that infrastructure? Yeah, well, I, I think uh, I like that you talked about basketball courts because a lot of people, when they think about public spaces, first go to town town halls, town squares. And Elon Musk has talked a lot recently about building a town square for the world. Um, and and I always sort of feel like that that sends the conversation off in this weird direction where people imagine that what happens in public space is like strangers coming up to other strangers and sharing their most incendiary political opinion. Um, which isn't even what happens in real town squares, let alone <laughs> it, useful for society. Like that's like what people do in public space largely is like they play, they make things together, they exercise, um, and they they uh, if it's a library they they use the services. Um, and so um, I think you know starting with how can we serve this community is one of the really important elements. That's really different from a business that's trying to like uh, extract value, get people to buy things. Um, so, so there's that fundamental piece. I think stewardship. You know, uh, uh, Francesca's role is key. And when you look at successful public spaces, they always have these like caretakers who are really invested in doing the human work of 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 negotiating all of these complicated things that happen when people are together. And if you look at a really good librarian. You know, partly what they're doing is like organizing books, but partly they're organizing people and trying to kind of like make sure that the young family is okay and the person experiencing homelessness has what they need and um, helping someone with a with a with a uh, document they need to fill out. So th- there's there's that kind of human caretaking glue stewardship piece, which again kind of separates a lot of public spaces from. Um, more private spaces where people have these very particular roles and don't really go outside them. And then I think, you know, public spaces by definition, they're for everyone within a particular space, but they're not for everyone, everyone. And I think part of part of the fundamental flaw of the way we've constructed uh, social media so far is imagining that you can do one design, one algorithm that's going to work for 3 billion people in millions of communities around the world I don't think that's possible. And I think like building some spaces like you guys are building that are much more situated in a particular set of needs, a particular public, um, you're going to get a lot further uh, faster than trying to do everything for everyone in in one homogenous uh, advertising platform. 
That's what we're hoping. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's also interesting because even to think about um, a community space as a as a, a region, right? I mean, it, that tax against like everything that you see from social media companies, which are just trying to scale, right? I mean, the, right. everything they want to do is get big, get everywhere, get to everyone. And, you know, to me, that feels like in, in direct conflict with the idea of building a community where people care about what's going on, you know, directly around them. Yeah. yeah and I think also um, it creates more of an incentive, frankly, for people to be, be good to each other. Um, like my incentive, if I get into some exciting, spicy uh, back and forth about a topic I'm passionate about to moderate myself or to give the other person the benefit of the doubt, benefit of the doubt, it's just less if I'm never, ever going to see that person again or have to interact with them in any other way. And I think one of the reasons that generally speaking, you know, people people are, are more well-behaved in actual physical public spaces um, is because, like, you might see that person again. You might need <laughs> something from that person. Mm-hmm. And so th- that's one of the virtues of, like, taking the scale down a bit is you start to get that kind of density of relationships that um, calls out a different kind of more communal uh, uh, way of being in in us. Absolutely. Uh, let's bring in uh, Mark in Redwood City with a, a call. I actually just about this. Welcome, Mark. Yeah. Hi. Um, nice to talk to you. Um, I, I'm, I was thinking, like you know, listening to the conversation, that there's there's um, there's a situation where it's, it's it's sort of like a tragedy of the commons, you know, um, where back in the day. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going on 54, uh, you know, we had BBSs, um, bulletin board systems, right? Um, these were, these were systems that people ran and you would dial up with a modem, uh, for our younger viewers. Uh, we should have queued up the modem sound, Mark, just to send yeah, everyone exactly. <laughs> into nostalgia. Yeah. <laughs> to get on the, you know, to get on the pre-internet, uh, social web, so to speak. Um, the thing about it was that, you know, you knew it took some effort, right? You needed to buy a modem. You needed to dial in and, 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 and connect with people. And it wasn't, you know, instant chat and stuff like that. It was just like a, a, a bulletin board nowadays, a physical bulletin board, where you put, post something up mm-hmm. and then somebody reads it later on. It was asynchronous, as you call it. Um, and, but the thing about it was that you knew that sort of the community that was there was there by choice, right? Like they... They were all interested in like new computer stuff and or software or games or whatever the, the thing happened to be. Just like you know, kind of like a Discord group, like mm-hmm. you self-select and come into a Discord group. But the thing was that um, first of all, it, it wasn't super crowded, right? Uh, and and by natural law, sort of like you couldn't make it crowded because <laughs> people could only dial into so many phone lines. Um, yeah. And so there was there was a natural sort of tendency to like. Find the people you really like to chat with, leave them messages and stuff like that. And it was it was definitely communal because you you knew that you all sort of were there by yeah. choice. You really wanted to interact and be there. And also there was giving you the time, right? Post a message, wait for somebody to respond eventually, giving yeah. you the time to work out stuff instead of raising your hackles every time somebody said something something yeah. that you didn't like. You know, Mark, what I want to uh, pull out from this comment, which I think is great and was certainly true of my experience of, of BBSs, shout out to Keith Buckby in Le Center, Washington uh, back in the 90s, <laughs> is like there wasn't, 
Um, the kind of hyper optimization that has accompanied this algorithmic era, like as the social media companies scaled up, as they incentivize people to produce more and more content. Uh, Francesca, I mean, what we have seen is that they have had to then layer over the top um, a kind of algorithmic ranking methodology, which essentially directs attention to things that uh, are spicier, are more emotive, are all these different uh, kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I also had a similar experience, I think, to you on early Twitter, where I, you know, followed maybe a couple of authors who I liked, a couple of people who I knew in real life. And I remember the days when I used to be able to log on and look at what was trending and see, uh, discover a conversation that was wholly different than something that I was aware was happening, right? Um, Stephen King's presence on Twitter always cracks me up. And <laughs> I remember a lot of that in the early days of, you know, he him posing an interesting conver- conversation starter and people just kind of sharing with all kinds of different perspectives. And I do think what has changed is that we still have the perception of that freedom on the internet to mm-hmm. go and find or encounter something unexpected. But a lot of it is being fed to us by really complex and really sophisticated algorithms, which, again, not necessarily a bad thing, but I think to Eli's point, that's not what we would encounter in the kind of public space yes. that we might encounter Your in our neighborhood. would not have every person ranked by the, like Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, one of the reasons why we're talking about this, and we're going to bring in our next guest in just a second, is it's not just for nostalgia. I think it's a, a lot of us can define things that we actually love about online communities or experiences that we've loved within certain online communities. But what's been difficult is to build the underlying, I don't, I don't even, it's a, it's a business model, but it's also a social model that allows that to like to, to thrive through time. And I, I mean, my, my hypothesis here is that public media might be one of the places where that can really work, that it doesn't have to grow, you know, like a, like a smiley face blowing up on a balloon. It can grow in these different ways, in ways that tech companies uh, are not generally interested in growing. So, um, Let's bring in another guest. Marina Gorbis is executive director of the Institute of the Future and community host of Urgent Optimistic Community there. Welcome, Marina. Hi, nice to be with you. Marina, I was hoping you could talk a little bit about the what I the topic I was kind of just introducing, you know, that tech companies have kind of built these platforms they call communities, um, but their incentive structures lead them to do other things. Right. And that brings me to the point of, you know, the origin of the word community is common. It's It basically brings together people who have something in common. And if you think about families, families have a lot of things in common. So along many, many dimensions. So you can think about communities along those lines of how many things people have in common. And the denser, the more things they have in common, the denser are those communities. And a lot of things that we see on social media is around sort of one dimension. People are interested in one area. So in our case, in the urgent optimist community, it's we're gathering people who are interested in future thinking and imagining potential future scenarios. So that's one area of interest. Um, if you think about the platforms like Twitter or Facebook, it's almost like there is nothing that really holds people in common. There's among these millions and billions of people, maybe you can find somebody, but they're just too big that you can't think of it as a community. It's more like a news feed or it's something 
that's like that. But it's hard to think of that as communities. Yeah, absolutely. You know, what do people within the urgent optimist community do? Like, how do you what are you actually, you know, kind of building into their, you know, into that experience? We uh, ask people, these are people who are interested in thinking about the future and exploring different scenarios. Uh, it's based on the idea, and, and the designer of this is Jane McGonigal, who is a well-known uh, mm -hmm. designer and uh, really understands a lot about public engagement. And it's around this idea of urgent optimism. There are so many scenarios and negative scenarios and so many predictions about dire things in our world. And it's not that we have to ignore them. But it, if you're just living in that world of hopelessness, it doesn't really do much. So we're bringing people to, together to think and imagine possibilities, explore these negative scenarios, but really kind of give them the sense of we can do something. It provides a sense of agency about doing something about it. And it's a very vibrant community we've had over I think now it's probably close to 2,000 people participating in this community. So it's very much around a particular interest. So cool. Yeah. We're talking about online communities, including Forum's new digital space. It's on a platform called Discord. If you want to know how to join it, you go to kqed.org slash forum. We'd love to see you there. We're joined this morning by Francesca Fenzi, our digital community producer, who's the steward of the KQED Forum space. We're also joined by Eli Pariser, co-founder of New Public, and Marina Gorbis, the executive director of the Institute of the Future. We would love to hear from you. I mean, what makes a community meaningful to you? And how can we bring that online? Like, what can we do to make sure that the aspects of community that matter to you here in the Bay Area are reflected in this new space that we're building? Uh, you know, what's the Bay Area you want to see online? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. The email is forum at kqed.org. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, on threads, or on Discord. Um, Francesca, I just want to answer a question that uh, one of our listeners has. Um, Robert writes... Why go negative? Was a chord already taken? Is it meant for arguments? But essentially, like, why is it called Discord? <laughs> yes, I uh, I can't speak for Discord, the <laughs> the company, the platform. Um, I think is so. One of the things I really like about Discord is it came out of this uh, original function of being a place for gamers to get together. So I think a lot of the lingo, a lot of the design, still very much reflects that. Um, and you know, yes, we're trying to build a place that is very much the opposite of discordant, I suppose. <laughs> um, but I think what's cool about it is that it, it it's a more casual space, a more um, a less corporate feeling version of Slack. I don't know if it, perhaps some of our listeners have used Slack and we certainly use it quite a bit in our KQED mm -hmm. internal network. I think Discord is very similar in the way that it looks and functions, but again, it's it's kind of a place where you can pop in, you can have chaotic conversations in a text thread. You also have the ability to have video and voice mm -hmm. chats. And I think that is all part of what's going into their branding with that name. Yeah, I mean, I think from our perspective, um, it's kind of that Discord has a lot of tools built in so that we can work on the community building parts. We can work on the kind of information sharing parts. We can work on the culture and we didn't have to build everything from the ground up. 
There are a lot of people who are doing that. And Eli, you, New Public kind of works across this whole space, right? So if, if you were to kind of just map out what you see of people who are kind of doing this work, like what, what do you see? Well, I think, I mean, it's actually a really exciting moment in sort of community space building. And we're seeing just hundreds of not just startups, but but new kind of forms of, uh, you know, more social socially oriented from the start uh, tools taking place, uh, being built that help people build um, build these kinds of communities and then also maintain them. And I think, um, you know, uh, if you've been following the recent kind of war between Reddit's management and its moderators, you know, this has always been kind of this fractious, weird, complicated relationship. I think that the Reddit CEO recently called the moderators landed gentry and the moderators for very good reason uh, did not appreciate that. Um, but there's always been this tension where on the one hand, these these corporate platforms rely on stewards to help them um, make safe, healthy spaces. On the other hand, they really like don't invest very much and really thinking through like what do you need to be a great steward um and so you end up with these people just sort of heroically doing a lot of really difficult uh moderation work um on their own and part of what we're looking at at new public is how to support this new generation of builders and 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 all of these stewards in having better tools um to to do some of that work and not just you know sort of how do you get rid of uh, hate speech or, or trolls, but also how do you do the positive uh, community formation right. things? Like, <laughs> how do you how do you like get people having fun together? When you look at the really great stewards, it's like they're 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 yeah they're they're sort of policing the bad stuff, but they're also kind of kindergarten teachers that are like getting people together in ways that make them feel good about each other. And so, how do we facilitate that? Is a big focus of our um, kind of community lab uh, work at New Public. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, Francesca, that is the hard stuff. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, in our community, we have not experienced the problems of hate speech and other things. It's, just, it's you know, um, that just hasn't been what has happened. What's hard is like, you know, making people feel comfortable so that they will, they want to talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think one of the things that Eli was just saying that really resonates for me is... Um, Obviously, we are using this platform, Discord, to build a community. There is some built-in tension there between using a tech platform that has these different monetization motives to create the kind of community we're talking about. And that's definitely something I'm really thinking about. How can we build something that lives in tone and Mm -hmm. in value beyond um, any particular space? Absolutely. We're talking about digital communities, including forums, new space on Discord, joined by Francesca Fenzi, Eli Pariser, Marina Gorbis. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more right after the break. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. 
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking about digital communities, including Forum's new space on Discord. We've been working really hard on this behind the scenes. Today, it is going public. You can figure out how to get on there and how to do it all. KQED.org slash forum. I promise we've walked people through the process. We can get you on there. We're joined by Francesca Fenzi, digital community producer. She's the steward of the space here on the show. We're also joined by Eli Pariser, co-founder of New Public, which is working on building the tools for these new uh, public spaces in the online realm. We're also joined by Marina Gorbis, executive director of Institute of the Future and the community host of their community, Urgent Optimus. Grace Ling is our next guest. She's the founder of the Design Buddies community, which is also on Discord. Welcome, Grace. Thanks for having me on. I'm honored. So, Grace, I wanted to just, you know, describe your community. Like, what's what's the community like and, you know, um, how did you get involved doing it? Yeah, for Design Buddies, it was something random I started. I started Design Buddies in April of 2020 when I was a student. I was 22 and I was transitioning my career from bio and computer engineering over to UX design. And I started Design Buddies because I felt like I wanted to learn design, make some friends and didn't really have any connections to people in design. So started Design Buddies to make some friends. And about three years later, we have almost 60,000 members on Discord helping designers across the world land jobs, improve their skills and make connections both online and offline. That's bonkers. 60,000 folks. How have you, you know, as the community has grown, how have you tried to, like, make sure it's still a community and not like a, um, you know, far flung group of collaborators, I guess? Yeah, for on our Discord, we try to encourage people to be open minded of different viewpoints across the world and also identifying why people want to join Design Buddies. And we realized the core motivation is people want to join to land jobs. So we break that down and try to see how can we help people land jobs. So we provide events, design challenges for people to upskill, but also networking opportunities to help them connect with each other um, and mentorship and all these things to help people um, meet their goal of landing a job or get their next promotion to keep them engaged. That's interesting. What do you think the most like effective community building tool you've brought to your Discord has been? Community building tool, I feel like events actually. Hmm. Um, and this year I've discovered in-person events has helped the community become closer to each other. We host a lot of events across the SF Bay area and recently in Singapore as well. So going international to help connect local communities to each other. Oh, that's cool. Um, You know, one of our listeners, Robert, writes in to say, the best experiences are actually offline. For example, getting together with dozens of fellow artists, sketching an interesting place together in person. Too much time online takes away from interacting in the real world. And these online interactions are fine if they serve groups whose primary activity is shared in person together. If online interactions are a primary purpose, that ultimately moves people apart. Francesca, we're definitely thinking about getting people together in person using this uh, community space of the Discord. Yeah, I think one of the things that I really 
appreciate about living in the Bay Area is how connected um, the communities here feel when you've lived here for a period of time. And I want to acknowledge, of course, my Bay Area looks very different from, say, my close friend's Bay Area or my partner's Bay Area. I'm discovering new aspects of the Bay Area at any given moment. Sometimes I go to a place I've never been. Sometimes I um, tap into an event that's been going on for years and years that I've never attended. But I think what's really cool about the Discord space is exa- is, is to that point um, that Robert just made, which is I still love in-person community events and spaces. I think it's one of the things that I missed most during the pandemic, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. What is so great for me about online tools and online communities is the way that they intersect and complement that. Mm. We have a channel in our Discord space right now where we share social calendar events, and I've already uh, discovered a number of cool things that are happening really close to my neighborhood in Oakland or uh, a performance that might be going on in SF that's right up my alley in terms of the sort of thing that I want to go and do in real life with people who are part of our community. And I wouldn't have known about them if I hadn't been a part of this this uh, group that we're building in virtual space. So I think that they have to always be working together. Absolutely. Let's um, bring in another car. Let's bring in um, Savala in Berkeley with a great question. Welcome, Savala. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. And thanks for like praising my question before I even <laughs> said it. Um, so I, I think this is really exciting. I love this conversation. And it's made me think about the online communities that I'm part of that have been kind of the most like fruitful and that I really look forward to being part of. In my case, they happen to be spaces where kind of the more marginalized parts of my identity can can really flourish, like um, Black Joy spaces and Fat Liberation spaces. So I guess kind of like a mini plug for maybe thinking about whether it's possible to have some some of that um, mm-hmm. in the KQED space. But the other thing that uh, is really nice about those spaces, besides just getting to kind of see those parts of myself and other people positively, um, is the community norms in those spaces mm. or the community agreements, kind of the values that we all um, make an effort to you know, agree to when we're in the space. So I'm just curious, like, if and how y'all are thinking about ways to have community agreements or community norms, and I don't know what that might look like. Absolutely. Also, Alexis, it's nice to talk to you. I've been on the show before. Yeah, Savala Nolan, everyone, amazing (laughs) uh, author. Um, Thank you so much. I'm I'm so glad to hear your voice and have you... uh, have you call in? Let me let me direct this to Francesca, who's put a, a lot of thought into trying to figure this out. Thank you so much, Savala. Yes, thank you, Savala. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I mean, I appreciate the love that I've been getting on this show today about being a community steward, but I think really my dream for this space is that I am one of many community stewards for it, um, in the same way that the physical Bay Area that I occupy is unique to me and maybe my set of identities. I know that the physical Bay Area that other people in my life and other people uh, who listen to this program occupy looks a little different. And so my dream for the discord is that it or or the community space that we're building period is that it also has those sort of subcultures, some of which I may not need to be a part of. Right. Um, that can be stewarded by people who are creating those kinds of safe spaces for marginalized identities to feel like they can really let loose and that they are welcome there. Um, you know, I 
have some marginalized identities that I think I belong to communities that feel great for me. And then there are other ones where it's like, it doesn't feel like that's a place where I should be, um, you know, taking the lead or even necessarily a part of. So I am thinking about it. And I guess my call out or my request would be for both our Discord community members now and then anyone who's interested in joining this community. If that's something that you're excited about, if you're also really interested in being a community steward in the virtual world, um, please, please come in there. Come say hello to me. Let me know that you're interested in it because we're going to be starting a program that's sort of along that line of developing other folks who can steward smaller subset communities inside our space. I want to uh, share a couple of the experiences that people um, on our Discord have have written about about their you know time uh, getting online. Um, for you know, Cheryl writes in to say, "I've loved being part of the new forum Discord community. Initially, I couldn't figure out what Discord is and how it works, and it took me a bit to get used to the look of Discord. But once I felt comfortable, I found it to be fun and engaging. I love all the categories, especially." pets. Well, you know, if you have a cute pet, the pets channel is a good place for you, I promise. Um, Michelle writes uh, uh, about the Discord. This is a unique way to engage with others in that it has many facets. Your participation can be a lot or a little, but your voice is integrated into the conversations. This is a way uh, that people who may not want to call in or write in via email have an open and creative way to engage with others. And Roke writes, um, you know, I've enjoyed Discord. There's a growing sense of belonging and continuous dialogue that extends beyond the time of the show. I'm thankful for for being here. And I think that's, you know, Francesca, to, you know, that has been the kind of feedback. I think some people have had to take some time to figure it out. Um, we've had to take some time to figure it out how to make it easier <laughs> for people. But I think once people have gotten going, they kind of find their space within that larger community space. Um, wanted to get to one other uh, topic. And Marina and Eli, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you in um, on, on this as well. Um, there's some questions, you know, comments about, like, well, how, do you, how will we handle, like, disagreements? Um, and I want to preface this by a little bit of our experience and talking about this with foundations and, and things, you know, we'd be like, we want to build like a community space. And they'd be like, great. Are you going to like bring together um, all, uh, you know, all viewpoints on a topic and then have people like fight it out in the public square, like you were saying, Eli. And I was like, how about we build some trust among the people who are going to be in this community, which is exactly what we do on forum. The reason we do shows about sandwiches on forum is so that when we need to talk about homelessness policy, we can do that more easily. And I feel like this is kind of the same thing we want to bring to this discord. We're going to have fun together so that we can handle the difficult things together. And um, Eli first, and then Marina, I'm going to come to you. What are the things that you've seen out there that might be interesting other kind of ex- experiments and how people have dealt with, you know, contentious topics, disagreements, um, you know, things like that? Well, I, I just love, uh, couldn't agree more with this approach because um, I do think it's it's how it works in the real world. You don't jump right into the hardest, most contentious topics. First, you build the trust, you build relationships, um, and even then it's it's hard, but you have something to work with. And so um, I, I, I think that's a really, really important approach. I think as far as dealing with the contentious um, contentious relationships, there's a lot of uh, you know smart design thinking that's happening about about that. Um, I think one piece of one piece that I think about often is that, uh, there was a study that when um, 
when people are sort of primed to think about something as this is a binary issue, you're either for it or against it, mm-hmm. it's gun, you know, then everybody very quickly separates into their tribe and starts duking it out. The reality is almost nothing is like that. And if you start the conversation by exploring the complexity, the nuances, the gray area, then what follows typically is a conversation where people reflect that, where they're much more nuanced um, themselves. And um, so I think that's one one uh, really powerful, mm-hmm. you know, when I think yeah. about forum, you're doing media and you're doing conversation. And those two things should work together to build build something that's constructive. Yeah. I mean, the only things, the only like political things that are truly binarized like that are the ones that have been pushed through the dumbest possible political media lens, you know? And I think that's what's so frustrating is that's like the model for how people think about political problems when like that's this tiny subset of things that actually in here in the Bay Area, a lot of the time it just, that stuff has no relevance to our actual real problems we're trying to solve as a community. Um, Mm -hmm. Marina, how, how about you in the community space of urgent optimists when, um, like I can just imagine a a contentious topic of, let's say the role of nuclear power or something in like the climate future, you know, um, how, how do you try and make, uh, disagreement productive and, uh, meaningful as opposed to, you know, off putting and, and name calling? Sure. I actually like thinking about parks, public parks, as an analogy to this. Um, public parks is not about just planting trees and putting benches, right? Uh, it's it's about creating a safe environment. You don't go to parks where you're going to be shot or where you're going to be attacked. So creating that, that's like the baseline requirement for, I think, functioning community is ensure this sense of safety. Um, and then based on that, it's... It's not that these parks just operate by themselves. There's a whole group of people that are doing maintenance, that are doing uh, monitoring what's going on, that are doing upkeep, all of these things. And we talked about it, the moderation. It, they create the tone. They set the tone for the community. And so that's really essential not to just leave it on itself, but also moderate and be able to actually sometimes remove the violators and in in that sense, making the rules and kind of the principles of this community mm-hmm. open and transparent. And I think initiation to communities is a really important piece of it. Mm-hmm. When people join communities, that these rules, they are initiated into the community and they understand these basic rules of engagement. You know, I think about the old community, the well, and, you know, Howard Rheingold was the person who wrote the book, Virtual Communities. And there were a lot of contentious topics. And in any community, there are contentious topics and you moderate them. And it's sometimes you actually need to remove people who are really violating the community rules. That's yeah. what we do in our parks, too. Um, I wanted to uh, come to uh, answer one other tweet. Elizabeth tweets, you know, got to disagree with your guest. I think it was actually me who said we don't build communities on current social media like Twitter. Look at birding Twitter. Look at California water Twitter. Many eco spaces with lots of community built and advocacy and knowledge. I agree. People do end up like building uh, within Twitter. However, I think you're really working against the grain of what's happening in that space. And I think it's worth like acknowledging 
how much you're working against the grain of what's happening um, on Twitter and how much more difficult that's making the task. And, you know, at least from my perspective, having been on Twitter like literally for 16 years, the changes that have occurred have made a lot of things harder and like just worse in so many different ways. And that's not just in the Elon era. That's over like a long period of time. And so I think it's possible to do these things in other spaces. I think like why, though, is becoming the thing that I keep um, asking myself. Um, I have another uh, listener comment wanted to read. I'm involved in multiple. This is great. A listener writes, I'm involved in multiple online community groups and small community groups through Facebook. I also play word games online. The long words group is where I've lived for the past umpteen years. Our community is very stable as well as welcoming. We know each other. We've had an international secret Santa. I've met many members in person. We've had two of our members marry each other, one from the Philippines and the other in the UK. They now reside in the UK. We have a beekeeping minister, someone who raises miniature donkeys, journalists, judges, and scientists. This is a pretty brainy group, which I love. There's also sometimes drama, believe it or not. Oh, I believe it. Um, no, I, uh, that is, uh, that seems like a fun group, Francesca. How do we oh get Oh my in gosh, on I'm that? so jealous of that community. I mean, these are the the beautiful stories that I think like really make me happy. Um, and the comment just ahead talking about the micro communities on Twitter, I belong to some of those too and I've seen and really appreciate. Um, I'm a big user of TikTok and I think book talk is especially fun for this reason. So I know that people, I, I actually think this is just kind of shoring up our point right? That we want to come together. We want to connect over the things that we have shared interests uh, on. And we're always sort of seeking the right platform, the right space to do that. So my, yeah, yeah, I just upvote 100%. That sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I'm also hoping, you know, when we look back in five years, you know, on, oh, hey, what happened with this like forum digital community experiment? Like, I don't think it's going to matter if it's still on Discord. I don't think it's going to any of that stuff. What really I hope is important is that people have that sense of community, like we just heard from the person from the Long Words group, you know, for them, the platform doesn't matter. None of that stuff matters. What matters is the relationships that they built through that community. What matters are the people that they've met, the kind of adventures that they've that they've gone on together. And I also really hope that the model we're trying to build here of like taking a public radio station and extending it into this digital community space, I hope that that spreads to other public media stations so that we can get more public space on the internet. Okay, I'm stepping down off my soapbox. We've been talking about digital communities, including forums, new space on Discord. Go to kqed.org slash forum if you want to learn more. We've been joined by Eli Pariser, co-founder of New Public. Thank you so much, Eli. We've been joined by Marina Gorbis, executive director of the Institute for the Future. Thank you so much. And Grace Ling, founder of Design Buddies, a community on Discord. Also here in the studio with me is our steward of the community, Francesca Fenzi. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Alexis Madrigal. This is Forum. Go check out the Discord and also listen to another hour of Forum Ahead with host Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. 
Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.